I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter and a son, be a lover to their mother, everything to everyone, up and at them bright and early, I'm all business in my suit, yeah I'm dressed up for success, from my head down to my boots, I don't do it for the money, there's bills that I can't pay, I don't the glory, I just do it anyway, providing for our futures, my responsibility, yeah, I'm real good on the pressure, being all that I can be, I can't call in sick on Mondays when the weekend's been too strong, I just work straight through the holidays, sometimes all night long. Bet that I stand ready When the wolf growls at the door Hey, I'm solid Hey, I'm steady Hey, I'm true down to the core And I will always do my duty No matter what the price I've counted up the cost I know the sacrifice Oh, and I don't want to die for you But if dying's asking me
years. Um, we have an honor guard here today, and as soon as you hear taps, uh, I would invite you to stand. If you are retired military, then you have the right to give your last salute to DeForest. Gentlemen.
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all mercy and the God of all consolation. He comforts us in our sorrows so that we can comfort others in their sorrows with the consolation we ourselves have received from God. Thanks be to God. When we were baptized in Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. And we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Holy Father, we too might live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God of grace and glory, you remember before you today our brother DeForest. We thank you for giving him to us to know and to love as a companion in our pilgrimage on earth. In your boundless compassion, console us who mourn. Give us your aid so that we may see in death the gate to eternal life, that we may continue our course on earth in confidence until by your call we are reunited with those who have gone before us. It is through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Good morning. I get the honor of reading scripture for Dee's service today. First one is uh, John 13, 1, and it is written as this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. The second reading is Psalm 1 through 3, and that goes as this. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper. Here ends the reading. Will you please stand for the reading of God's holy gospel? The gospel this morning is from St. Matthew. It is chapter 5. Jen asked me to keep it short today, and in honor of that, I'm going to read the entire section. Actually, it's the Beatitudes, but uh, specifically, yes, uh, verse 8. It's called the Sermon of the Mount. You've probably heard this before. It writes, as Matthew records, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Jesus spoke these beatitudes. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's often that I am asked about a particular scripture, and in this case, I was asked uh, about Matthew 5, 8, and it was, blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. That is all I was supposed to read. And so in our meeting, uh, I asked, well, what does this scripture mean to you? And sometimes, like today, the scripture reminds the person of their beloved. And you got that right on, by the way. Okay? The gospel selected today is from the Sermon on the Mount. And this section of Jesus' teaching is called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a form of opening statements of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as recorded in the Gospel according to Matthew. And as is custom, when Jesus is offering us gifts, he's offering us gifts with these words. That's just his nature. Everything he gives is a good gift. And there are nine statements of blessing. However, the difficulty in this scripture and in in much of scripture comes as we try to figure out just who receives these blessings. Is in this world we are subject to laws, are we not? I mean, you drove over here. We're subject to laws governing our behavior and what we can and cannot do. For example, this is not in scripture, but blessed is he who does not violate the speed limit, for he will not get a speeding ticket. Blessed is he who pays his taxes on time and in full, for he shall not be audited. Maybe. Maybe not. The point is, it's very easy to turn these blessings and any other teaching of Jesus into laws. And if you remember some of the Beatitudes, I have to admit that I have to work at being poor in spirit so that I can have the blessing of Jesus. I have to work at mourning. I have to work at being meek. I have to work at hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You get the idea. Those weren't laws. Those weren't things to strive for. Those weren't things that I had to work on. And it's very easy for our sinful hearts to convert these blessings of Jesus into a bunch of laws, a to-do list. Things we have to do in order to earn favor with God. And the Bible is clear about how well we keep the law. Among other things, it says in Isaiah 64, 6, that we all have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Did, did you hear that? The, the, the filthy garment, polluted garment, it's worse than an old-style cloth diaper that's full. That's how our works look to God. The deeds that we might think are righteous are like a polluted garment in God's eyes. That means that when we have one of those rare golden days, I'm speaking of myself right here. Maybe you can relate. But I might have a rare golden day where everything just turns out nice. I was so kind and so holy and so pastoral. And boy, you know, darn near break my elbow, patting myself on the back. That's like a filthy rag in God's eyes. In God's eyes, we've produced a pile of sinful pollution. And if that's so, on our best days, when arguably everybody would say, yeah, you know, nice. If that's how it is on our best days, imagine what it's like for God and watching us when we call to him and say, I really messed up. God's word is very clear that we are absolutely pathetic 
at doing things in order to earn blessings from God. It's just simply not possible. If we had to do things in order to receive these blessings, then these blessings would be forever out of our reach. These blessings wouldn't be for us. We would be cursed instead. And DeForest knew this. God does not deal, us, deal with us in this way. God is the one who does everything for salvation. God is the one who works in us, through us, to bring us these blessings. And DeForest knew this. God sends the Holy Spirit to teach us that we are spiritually impoverished, that we have nothing that God needs. In fact, our sin has put us deeply in debt, so debt, deep in debt that we could not pay the debt in a thousand lifetimes, much less in the only lifetime that we have. This is what it means to be poor in spirit, that we realize who we are in comparison to the holy God. And nevertheless, Jesus taught Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is for sinners. The kingdom of heaven is for sinners. And DeForest knew that. And even as Jesus said at another time in Mark 2.17, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. The whole point of Jesus' mission to earth was to bless the poor in spirit by saving them from their own sin. Jesus saved the poor in spirit by becoming poor in spirit himself. He took the entire debt of sin, all sin, onto himself, and he carried it all away. And in that poverty of sin, Jesus went to the cross where he paid off the sin of debt that we owed. He paid for it. Chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. DeForest knows this now right now. To be pure in heart is to be one who does not worship false gods. Your dad didn't do that. A pure heart is a single heart, a heart that seeks after God, a heart that has been transformed by the Holy Spirit from a hardened, self-sufficient, opposed-to-God heart. The forest had such a heart. Now, in the last of the Beatitudes, we read that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I remember reading that, and even sometimes now, it's like, why would I want to sign up for that? It'd be a lot easier just not to even be noticed. But persecuted because I proclaim Christ as king, as savior, See, the world hates those who are poor in spirit. The world wants us to think that we are better off than we really are. The world wants us to believe that we can improve ourselves. The world around us is insulted, even offended, when we realize that only the poor in spirit, only those who confess that they are sinful and unclean, can have the kingdom of heaven. Somebody might be insulted already right now. When the world persecutes us because we are poor in spirit, it is a sign that the Holy Spirit is keeping us faithful to God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The last beatitude is different from all the others. Here, Jesus teaches us 
that the persecution of those who are poor in spirit is a fact. There is no might, there is no maybe or if in this beatitude. There is a when. And persecution is an absolute certainty for the poor in spirit. The church is the church only as she reflects the suffering of Jesus. Now the great blessing of this persecution is that it is a sign that we already possess a place in heaven. And Jesus did not say, your reward will be great in heaven. Instead, Jesus said, your reward is great in heaven. And the first and the last beatitude are both in the present tense. They say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know your dad would meet people on the street getting into his car or at Home Depot and invite him to come to church. And they came. Your dad, nobody persecuted him in those parking lots or anything like that, but your dad was a bold witness for Christ. The world would have us believe that heaven is way out there somewhere, that it is beyond the blue of our sky, and that the message of the Beatitudes, in fact, the message of the entire Bible is that God is with us now. Heaven is ours now. Favorite part of all of my sermons is when I say in conclusion. In conclusion. As a pastor, I've been asked this. Why does God send people to hell? Maybe you've wondered this. Well, here's, here's the truth. God does not send people to hell. God is a gentleman. De Forest was a gentleman. He didn't force his religion on his family either, right? He didn't force it. God is a gentleman, and he won't violate anyone's will and make them go to heaven. God does not want anyone to go to hell. However, people will go to hell because they didn't want God. It's kind of like this. We are all on a sinking ship. We all will die one day. And the Bible is clear that nobody comes to the Father except by me. That is what Jesus said. The truth is, we are all doomed. None of us can tread water for eternity. So now, since we know we are on a sinking ship, God provides a lifeboat. We are invited to get off the sinking ship and onto the lifeboat, the life-giving boat. It's that simple. You could ask the question, why would anyone choose to go down with the ship? Is it because they don't believe in lifeboats? Or maybe they don't like that lifeboat. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, Behold, I am with you always. This is Jesus to the end of the age. And Jesus also said in Matthew 18, 20, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. These promises and others teach us that God is with us and therefore heaven is with us. He is with us right now. And on this day we remember DeForest, a man who was poor in spirit, pure in heart, and a child of God. And he would want me to offer to any here today the opportunity to become a child of God, to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, to walk blameless because of what Christ did for all, for whosoever should believe. So you could see me after the service, and you could be baptized at that font today. I think DeForest would be pleased. 
May the blessings of the poor in spirit be yours now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now we have a time of remembrance in the form of eulogy. Hello, everyone. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the celebration of life and memory of DeForest Bird-Jones. The family and I thank you for coming. I'm Steve Jones, the eldest of DeForest and Peggy. DeForest was born in El Dorado, Oklahoma, in November 28, 1935, to Alma and Esther and Claude Towers Jones. He is survived by his wife Peggy of 65 years, their children, Stephen, Julie, Gregory, and Jennifer, daughter-in-law Gail, son-in-law's Van, and Gregory, 11 grandchildren, and soon to be I don't know, 14 grandchildren, great-grandchildren. To most of us, Dee was bigger than life. He was our Superman and John Wayne. I personally saw him as like Sergeant Stryker in the movie, Sands of Iwo Jima. He was a proud and honorable Marine, dedicated and disciplined, someone with unlimited compassion. I saw my dad as a soldier and I too was a soldier. From an early age, I was able to spend a lot of time with him on the construction sites of Orange and LA counties, hanging drywall and learning life lessons of hard work, perseverance and commitment. In our personal lives, my dad supported in all of our sports. Dee was there for us to help us pursue our childhood activities. He and a small group of people built West Grove Little League in Midway City, where we all grew up on those fields. From 1966 to 72, our afternoon lives revolved around Little League during the baseball season. You can always hear his whistle from across the field. <whistles> he would sound off and we would come and run in. Right, we knew it was time to go home. He raised his family in the American way. He built his construction company to include each one of his kids with the focus to be able to support our family, his grandkids, and the opportunity to learn and grow. What we miss most is his daily greetings to all of his neighbors sitting out in the front of his home, uh, sitting out in the front of his house that made him the neighborhood OG, old guy. Everyone young and old would wave as they went by. The holiday family greetings, gatherings, were where we shared ribs, turkey stories, I mean not turkey stories, but turkey stories, and spent time together as a family. A lot of love and laughter. Dee's daughter Julie says that her dad was an unselfish man, that he would help you even if you didn't want or ask for help. He would, put your, his, he would put your concern over his. Dee always said that you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. Don't be afraid of hard work because it builds character and sit up straight at the dinner table. He taught, us, he taught his grandkids and great grandkids to respect their country and to honor the flag. He was a proud Marine. He was a very proud of his two grandsons and his son-in-law that served in the, in the military as well as Julie. And I have a, from his brother-in-law, Michael. Uh, Dee inspired me to be the best in drywall and in life. What an inspiration. Sandy, Scott, and Zach will never forget the man in the arena. Dee will miss he says to Dee, I will miss our BS sessions and his colorful insights. He shaped, his, he shaped my life like no one I've ever known. <clears throat> the Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt is not the critic who counts, 
not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or, or the door of do, uh, the, or the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who faces, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm and great devotions, who spreads himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails with daring, while daring greatly, so that is his place shall never be excuse me, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. To continue, to continue and finish up, Dee's youngest daughter, Jennifer, has a few words. Thank you. Well, if you don't know me, I'm the youngest of the four, um, and probably the most ornery. <laughs> if you haven't figured that one out already. Um, we thank you from all of us for joining us to honor my dad. Um, he was my Superman, my hero, my cowboy, my John Wayne. He always came to the rescue, whether it be just a special look, words of wisdom, or that great big smile and twinkle in his blue eyes to each and every one of us, a grandchild, a friend that grew up in the house, or a nickname, I'm adding this one, which would be Paka that came from my, grand, my oldest daughter and my best friend. Um, his passion for being involved in his family was larger than life. His love for our mother was without question and was true love story for eternity. But a big part of his grandkids' life, day to day, day to day, was amazing. He made his call on everybody's birthday that morning. Very big event for every single grandchild born, every child and everything, waiting for that 6 a.m. phone call before they went to school, went to work, everything. They all learned much about history and family jokes corny jokes, that is, that he has passed along from generation to generation now is going on to the next. Our dad was a leader in the industry of drywall for 50 years plus. He opened the doors for many still working and in the industry today. He was a pioneer in many on how estimating and parts of the overall projects was done. He and my brother Greg, who go over, went over and over details on estimating processes for hours. He was a big part of an old-timer group that started swinging hammers in the field and then became owners of large construction companies. My dad taught me many personal things to stand tall, be confident of who I am, and meant to look somebody straight in the eye and give a very firm shake, handshake. He always told me and all the girls in the household to always be a lady. And remember that, girls, always be a lady. New ones that are coming to remember to pass that along. Always be a lady. That meant on the soccer field, volleyball court, and whatever sport you choose to play or whatever you do in life. The past couple of years have been both a blessing and as well a challenge. My husband and I moved in to help out, and it brought us laughter and tears, but most of all closer, sometimes a little too close. Today we honor DeForest Jones' memory and how he will be greatly missed. My dad knew the true meaning of a father and a family man. On July 25th at 11.09 a.m., my dad, my mother's husband, grandpa, great-grandpa, brother, uncle, friend, Korean Marine vet, went to be with the Lord. He was not hurting anymore. He will be forever missed. We love you, Dad, Grandpa, 
great grandpa, best friend, and neighbor. We thank you guys for being here and blessing our family just to being that person that walks by and says hello and waves at them. The people at church, we bless you and thank you for being a part of this and helping us out and being with my mom and just keeping her a part of your family and greetings. Baseball field, baseball diamonds, that, you know, building a um, snack bar that I could sneak in and get free food um, as a little girl that I still get free food wherever I go. Um, and just being there and in business and being there with my mom. We thank you all. Thank all my grandkids for being here and being good guys and being supporters. Have a great day. Enjoy the food afterwards. This is a great honor that I have been asked to read and pray the Marine Corps prayer. I think what you all should know is the motto of the Marine Corps is uh, Semper Fidelis, Semper Fi, and it means always faithful, and uh, DeForest embodied that. As such, this prayer, you'll notice, is not for DeForest. The prayer is for others. So, I pray. O Eternal Father, we commend to your protection and care the members of the Marine Corps. Guide and direct them in the defense of our country and in the maintenance of justice among the nations. Sustain them in the hour of danger. Grant that Wherever they serve, they may be loyal to their high traditions, and that at all times they may put their trust in you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It is into your hands, O merciful Savior, and we commend your servant to Forrest. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your own flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. Receive him into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of the saints in light. Amen. Let us go forth in peace. In the name of Christ, amen. You may be seated at this time, and our closing song is very, very special to the family. Enjoy.
Thank you, everybody. There is a wonderful spread of fixins out there. So why don't you join the family and we'll dismiss you guys first and get on out there. Thank you.